Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don presented by Give Us a Shot Network. I am the Don, Donato Bucci. And remember, we can be found on all major platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Thank you to Nicole Thompson with the wonderful introduction, as always, and our guy Mike Regina with the pump-up music. So to the fans out there, I had to deal with this guy for four days at the Final Four, and now i am got to do this show with him. I'm kind of sick of talking to him, but let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? I'm tired. And I, don't, I see, you know, I don't know why you're, you're choosing to be mean. Do I have to show everybody the text messages? This guy literally didn't want the trip to end. If if he had it this his way, we would have stayed three more days. We would have went to see the Rockets play, the Astros play. He would have found some spring practice or some D3 school for us to go watch. He was ready to keep living on all his sports dreams. But I think the craziest thing, obviously, it was a great trip, man. We got to go to the Final Four, got to watch all the games. Even though Arcanes had the worst game out of all of them, we got to watch them. Probably they won't ever get back again, so at least we can say we were there. But, <laughs> man, I, I'm exhausted. I feel like I was running off no energy for that whole trip. And I think people don't understand. They see us do the show all the time. Yeah, we talk every day, phone, text, and all that stuff. But I don't think people understand like how much we actually don't get to see each other in person. So, mm. For us to for us to get four days, we we're like, all right, the guys can go, you know, have a weekend and do the games. Like I was expecting to get no rest, but this was beyond anything that I could have imagined would happen. Like you, you didn't want to take any break for this game. We're going to do this. Literally had me drive Houston. Hey, this is the first time Kane's been in the Final Four. We never know when they'll get back. If ever grand opening grand closing. If, yeah, if ever while we're alive. So <laughs> I wanted to try to stay awake every every second that I could to uh to soak it in. So speaking of the final four, and it was a great time, JT. It was great going with you, man. Great seeing you. We we got to do that more often, and the Canes gonna have to do that more often. Um, but the Yukon Huskies, as well as the LSU Tigers, are the college basketball champs of men's and women's hoops, respectively. So the final four, JT, had a little bit of everything from the Canes collapse to the buzz, to a buzzer beater to an all to all time great players um, and Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark to a little bit of smack talking, which we'll get to in a little bit. But first, we got to talk about our Canes. They kind of flopped. So what went wrong <laughs> for the Miami fans out there? Because I got think you're letting them off the hook a little too easy. We've got a lot of Miami fans out there. What went wrong for the Canes? Um, a few things. One, I think the main thing that went wrong before we even got to the final four was I just think our run was too magical. Like the way we were winning some of these games now, albeit against good opponents, Texas, Houston, you know, Indiana, there were good opponents. We had the toughest road to the final four, but just look at the way we won those games. Miller having a game where he didn't miss a shot. Hack having that, I think it was like a seven three pointer game. And, you know, we had 
different people doing different crazy things. And they were just crazy runs to the final four. And all that was going on. And our best player wasn't even a factor. I feel like in this tournament, and it was Wong. Like he didn't, he didn't look like the ACC player of the year to me. Like any other ACC school as a guy that's a conference player of the year, he's probably a lottery pick. Our guy, barely a third team All-American. Didn't even make the final four like, like uh, conference team. So I think that's what happened. Now in the game against UConn, you were there. They started out hot. It was what, 11 to two. UConn, UConn hit everything. Nothing before you could even sit down, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I talked to you, asked you a question. It was nine nothing, and you know that was it. I just think that we were too small. We weren't physical enough. That number thirty two, I forget his name. I hope I never have to see him again. But he killed us. Like Sonogo might have got the tournament MVP, but number thirty two won them this championship. We couldn't do anything against them. We couldn't go to the rack. We couldn't make any layups. He literally blocked everything. He altered every shot, and the man had two points. Two points and like four boards. So we just weren't physical enough. Their guards were more physical than us. Probably the best out of position rebound performance that I've ever seen. Our game and the championship. They were just all over the place, more physical, and they were just a better team. So that's what went wrong with us. <laughs> well, there's a lot that went wrong. First, making excuses, right? They made some excuses. Big arena. The moment was too big. You know, that's what happens when teams lose. They make they make excuses. So a lot of excuses, but I, I think what went wrong in reality was two things. <laughs> in reality, yes, he did need two pairs yeah. of shoes. I've never met a basketball player that didn't show up without a backup pair, but yeah, that's a good point. Yes, Nigel Pack, but that wasn't the reason why we lost. The game the was already why we over lost was <laughs> The reason why we lost, right, the game was over by then. The reason why we lost was, one, they didn't listen to the coach. If you And I told you this that night, I went back to the Verbo, watched the press conference, couldn't sleep, watched the press conference. And Coach Larinaga, what just I feel could, like. You just couldn't accept the fact that it was over. <laughs> I, the trip I didn't started want to go to on sleep. Saturday, and it was it was over in the first 10 hours. <laughs> he, he didn't want to let it go. But, no, you, you, you couldn't sleep, so you went back and watched this whole press conference. So I think your yeah. point is very interesting. Yeah, so, so Coach Larinaga, once the players left, their portion of the press conference he kind of really went into why he felt they lost. And one of the biggest reasons was he felt they didn't listen to the game plan. They didn't follow the game plan. The game plan was to double Sonogo once he got the ball. And he essentially said the guys were so focused on their own man to cover that no one went to double. And, and it really did play a huge factor, especially early on, and UConn could set the tone. And I think right there, when you don't listen to the coach, they don't bring that same energy right there, right off the bat was a problem. And then really the second problem was UConn. Let's face it, JT. They had one of the most dominant runs in the history of college hoops. Thanks, Mom. We were trying to forget his name. We know it's Donovan Clinton. We know that. Number 32 will haunt us for the rest of our lives. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's okay. Keep watching, though. Don't listen to JT. So the other thing was UConn's dominant run, JT. I mean, one of the most dominant runs ever in the history of the NCAA tournament. You look at, I think they won all six games by like 15 plus points. They were 6-0 and oh, uh, versus Vegas and covering the spread. I mean, it's really unheard of. Now, I will say their final four teams that they had to play, not the strongest, admittedly, but I think that's part of what went wrong for Miami was the matchup. We always worried about all year long was 
What if we had to face a team that had actual big men and that could score? And that was Sonogo. And then, as you said, number 32, Klingin, even though he wasn't much of a scorer, he impacted so many shots. And that's why Wong, that's why Pack couldn't get those easy layups. Even without blocking the shots on layups, he was impacting those attempts. And to me, those are the two reasons. They didn't follow the game plan. And then also they didn't, uh, or they just ran into a brick wall in UConn. It was a bad matchup. Literally a brick wall. And and shout out to our guy right there, uh, Scott. He's a big Nova fan. And thank you for the reminder, 2016, 2018, Nova covered uh, every spread too. So, hey, Nova's better than this, this UConn team, I admit it. All right, so JT, let's go back to the other semifinal game. Lamont Butler, game-winning shot at the buzzer for San Diego State over FAU. Happened right in front of us to the side of the court that we were at. Unbelievable. Um, Was the Lamont Butler buzzer beater versus FAU an all-time great? Insane. I think we were were reading the stat. I think that's like the fifth time that's happened in like Final Four. Final Four history. history, yeah. Yeah. But as awesome as that moment was, I've never seen anything like that. And for this guy to hit a buzzer beater in the final four, literally right in front of us, I I can't be prisoner of the moment. If we're talking about all-time buzzer beaters, I mean, Christian Leitner against Kentucky in 92. I mean, that's to me, I'm throwing at the length of the court. He shoots it. He makes it. That's crazy. But if we're just going off a final four and championship buzzer beaters, like Nova, Chris Jenkins. Hitting that game winner, like in 2016 for a national championship against Carolina, like that was crazy. Hey, I who passed him the ball? Who passed him the ball? One of your one of your cousins, <laughs> Archie Diakono. <laughs> Archie Diakono. So one of your cousins. One of your cousins. Well, two of your cousins beat us in this game too. Like, they're everywhere. I would say, huh? Yeah, I know you it, can't even say his name. Look at you. You can't even say his I name. I can't because it's painful. But I would put the Chris Jenkins shot over that. Also. um, you know, Lorenzo Charles and the cardiac kids beating, you know, five slamma jamma. <laughs> like when NC State took out Houston, I would put that one above this buzzer beater as well. But yeah, I, I have a hard time putting it like in the top five, even though it was awesome to see in person. Yeah, it, it's definitely an all time great when it's one of only five buzzer beaters ever in Final Four history. It's got to be an all time great. But again, it's not the greatest because it's just not the finals. And then on top of that, I think you'd have a stronger argument if they happen to beat UConn. Like if they upset UConn to go on, because even the Leitner shot was only to get them to the final four, but everyone remembers it because guess what, JT? Like that was part of their dynasty at yeah. that point. So, um, so yeah, this is not the greatest of all time. It's a good underdog story. Is it is it so- top five? I think I think that will that will determine where we're putting this. Is it top five buzzer beaters? Which is let's just say college basketball history. No, because I would even put I would even put the Ray Allen shot in the Big East title over Allen Iverson over this one. Okay, I can it give was you such that. A, it was such a big moment. It, that was historic in in many senses. But is this a top five of all time? No, because you go back to even shots during the tournament, the Tyus Edney layup, I think, against Missouri back in like 94, 95. They ended Bulls, up winning the buzzer beater with Michigan. I, I thought them. 
Yeah, and, and you look at even upsets, right? Bryce Drew and I think Valparaiso at the time, yeah. they basically ran a similar play to the Nova one, a little bit different out of the inbounds. But, you know, those are the ones you remember. I think if you look back in 20 years, a lot of people may forget the name Lamont Butler, but that doesn't mean it's not an all-time great. It San Diego just... State won't. Jesus. <laughs> and neither hey, shout, out FAU. The, shout out to the hey. Aztec fans, man. Yes. Hey, yes. look, you learned a lot from those, those fans. They showed up and showed up. Yes. And FAU won't forget that name either. For oh, yeah, sure. for sure. All right, so two names we will not forget anytime soon. Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, part of that LSU-Iowa title game, a, a, a great title game. But, JT, was that LSU-Iowa title game the best women's basketball game ever? All right, I'm going to keep it real with you. I don't have many regrets from this trip, but this is one of them that <laughs> we did not find a way to go to Dallas to watch this game. (laughs) Yes. Because what did we do? As soon as we got done going to the XFL game, we went right back and we're like, all right, let's see what happened with this women's championship game. We watched the extended highlights and we're like, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. And at the end of the day, the first thing I asked is how did Iowa lose by almost 20? Like the extended highlights was just nothing but people just hitting shots. I'm like, (laughs) where did they start missing? And in the extended highlights, it looked like Iowa kind of was even or, or you know, ahead in a way. It was, it was a weird extended highlights. Yeah, so just based on the extended highlights, this is probably the best women's game I've ever seen. And I am pissed that we did not find a way to go watch it live in person. So you, you, are, you didn't answer the question. Oh, I forgot. I was so, uh, this guy. Yeah, so I, I, said it, I said it was the best women's game ever. I mean, OK, All like right. Clark and Reese went at it, but people are just, you know, kind of brushing uh, Jasmine Carson to the side. She had 21 in the first half off the bench. Right. Like, right. It, it was insane. Like, I felt like just the extended highlights of this game, best women's basketball game I've ever seen. Okay. Never seen scoring like that on the college level. And real quick with our comments, 18 SKG, second best buzzer beater at that venue. You know, you know the other buzzer beater at that venue? The NRG you do, State. so why don't you just tell us? You mentioned it already. It was the Jenkins. Oh, guy, yeah. Scott's a Nova fan. He, he won't forget that anytime soon. And then from Beverly Thompson, do you think – so before I answer the LSU-Iowa game, do you think FAU would have given UConn a better game than the Kansas or SD State? My mm. opinion is yes for two reasons. I think they had the guards to to be able to compete, but I think the biggest reason was they had Golden, a big guy underneath, to be able to, one, to protect the rim, but more importantly, I think to be able to occupy, or sorry, to be able to defend Sunogo as well as be able to occupy some of the paint, right? So the bigs of UConn couldn't just come off, you know, Omir or Jordan Miller to block the layups. So I think that's why we always talk about styles make fights. And I think FAU style would have been a better matchup against UConn for the fans. I disagree with you because I think, well, I think any of those three teams, of course, because you're whatever. I think any of those three teams, the mat, the matchup problem with them, with UConn is not necessarily the bigs. I mean, there are a problem. I think it was just the guards and the wings. Like, they could do everything. They're great rebounders. They hustle. They box out. They play defense. They can hit the timely shots. Like the little things that I think would give 
FAU problems, especially at the guard position, I just don't think they can match up. Like, number two, we we for UConn, we thought he should have been tournament MVP. Like, you look up at his stats, like, double-digit yeah. points, double-digit boards, assists, yeah. steals, blocks. He's a baller, yeah. He's a baller. Like, no guard on any of those three teams in the Final Four could do that, what he did. And plus, you got the other guys that are annoying that can do the little things. So, I think the guard play would have given them problems on both ends of the floor because they got a lot of two-way guys. I think you underestimate the guards of FAU a little bit. No, I didn't. That's I all right. Them. That's all right. <laughs> I so, watched them lose. I, 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 I watched them let a guy hit a buzzer beater when he really messed up and they should have called a timeout. It happens. So, it happens. Yeah, That's whatever. what happens sometimes. I disagree with you. So, going back to the LSU-Iowa game, listen, it was a great game, great showing, great offensive display, but JT, it can't be the best game ever when – it's a 17 point game. Like that was the game was not in doubt throughout that whole fourth quarter. So I've got to go back. This is the one I'm going to go to. I'm going to go to 1994 UNC Louisiana Tech 60 to 59 UNC wins. Charlotte Smith with the last second buzzer beater 3.7 seconds on the clock. JT, they're down 59 57. What does she do? She pops out to the three-point line, hits it, buzzer, game over. There was 0.7 seconds. They had an inbounds play under their hoop, hits the three. She ends up with 20 points and 23 rebounds. An all-time performance. Charlotte Ooh. Smith, 1994 UNC, best college women's game basketball game ever. Shout out to Charlotte Smith, wherever you are. I know. She gets she gets a shout-out on our show. How about For that? Real. All right, so – as LSU was on its way to victory, Angel Reese celebrated her own way by mimicking Caitlin Clark's you can't see me hand motion, as well as pointing to her ring finger to signify that they would obviously be getting rings as they are the champs. So people took to Twitter to bash Angel Reese. Now, JT, a lot of the conversation after that game really started to focus on that and not necessarily the game itself as well as a possible double standard also. So in your opinion, is it a double standard? I mean, well, the history of racial double standards and tolerance are well-documented. And in this case, especially when it comes to black women, you know, things that people assign to them, whether it's, you know, cultural characteristics or character characteristics, you know, they get vilified for where they're praised in other cultures. So this situation is no different than that. I mean, everyone knows the story. Caitlin Clark literally did the exact same thing the previous game. She had really been talking trash all season, all tournament, and she got beat. And we love to see people being competitive, but this is just ridiculous. I mean, first of all, just the, just the backlash and the words that people are using to describe a kid in Clark is unreal Keith Oberman calling her a fucking idiot for celebrating that's OD and then you got somebody like Dave Portnoy who is a known racist got mad sexual misconduct cases against him but you know the thing that upsets him the most is a kid celebrating winning a national championship so reset it best they don't fit the image and people are bothered by that but the things that stood out to me beyond the obvious are there's so much hypocrisy just in everything about this. The one thing is you can just tell that people don't watch women's sports because 
if they did, they would notice that Reese literally did the ring celebration the game before when she beat UM. Nobody cared. Didn't hear anybody. Didn't see any tweets from Dave Portnoy. Didn't hear anything from Danny Cannell. Definitely didn't hear Keith Oberman's dumbass. I didn't hear anything from him. And then the other thing is people claim that women's basketball is boring and they don't watch women's sports, but all of a sudden now they have an opinion. That's comical in itself. And then the thing that's the cherry on top is, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is the Jill Biden situation where she wanted to invite both Iowa and LSU to the White House. People are mad at that. So let me get this right. The people that hate Joe Biden are now the ones vilifying a child that trash talked Biden's wife. Like the level of hypocrisy is like comedic genius in that. So these the people that are upset at this kid for celebrating, you know, dominant fashion, a dominant season, a dominant championship because they don't like the way she looks, they don't like the way she acts, they don't feel that they should have been able to celebrate like that is ridiculous. So absolutely, it's a double standard. Yeah, you're right. And I agree with you. There's definitely the double standard, not only to the race part that you mentioned, because I, I, I agree with everything you said there. And I even had written down after reading what Keith Olbermann and Dave Portnoy said. I mean, those are both white males, right? So the other part of it is not just the race double standard, but the gender double standard too. JT, if this was also two guys in the NBA – it would not be as big of a deal. And in fact, some people would probably love that trash talking, right? So I think there's also that stereotype of some sort of expectation by female athletes that they're not supposed to be able to trash talk like this, right? And so that's the other part of the double standard is the race and the gender part where it's like even Caitlin Clark um, came out and said that she has no issues with what happened in that she enjoys basically the trash talking, but all of a sudden you've got people, like you said, that aren't watching women's sports that now want to chime in, whether it's on Twitter or media people like Keith Oberman and Dave Portnoy too. Like, can you, can you ever imagine, let's say, you know, number 32 of UConn did this, right? To some oh, of the San Diego it would, it State would, guys. It would go viral. No, Everybody yeah, would no be one, celebrating. But in a good way, right? They yeah. would look at it as in a good way. Like, Oberman and Portnoy would never say anything like that to him. So, I think you're right. It's not only the race double standard, but it's the gender double standard, too, because you see a lot of people also feel like Serena Williams is too vocal, too, when she plays tennis. Like, yeah, you, that's you, a competitive you, you game. See, that's a one-on-one. -on -one. You see it with female black athletes, like you said, everywhere. Like, it's, it's a tale as old as time. It's like, Black female athletes are supposed to show no emotion. They're not supposed to celebrate any anything. They're not supposed to upstage their white counterparts in any way. Everything has to be graceful, just the way to make certain people feel comfortable. But if it's Caitlin Clark, oh, she's fiery. She can do whatever she wants. Like it's seen as good. It's 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 just so obvious. So anybody that has anything to say about this, if you're saying that race is not playing a part in your opinion. I mean, you're lying to yourself. Like, it's it's obvious, it's clear as day why you have these opinions about this particular situation. And it also shows that you don't watch women's sports, especially you haven't watched this tournament because Reese been doing this before this game. Kaylin Clark been doing this all season. And then um, I'll even take it a step further. I always forget her name. What's the girl from Louisville? I, I love her. I, she's, she's a killer too. Um, Haley Van uh, Lilith. Like she trash talks more than anybody. Nobody says anything. 
she literally got into a fight with a team that she beat in the line where they're shaking hands. Like that was all over Sports Center for weeks. Nobody said anything. But when Angel Reese does this in this moment, all of a sudden, you know, it's DEFCON 5. And it's it has everything to do with race. And anybody that says it's not is lying to themselves. So speaking of Angel Reese and, and Caitlin Clark, let's go to their, you know, actual performances. So more impressive, Caitlin Clark's tourney run, you know, tournament run that she's had, which has been historic, or Angel Reese's 34 double-doubles in a season, which is also historic in its own sense in that it's the most double-doubles um, in a collegiate basketball season. You know what? I'm not even going to lie. Like, Caitlin Clark might be the coldest women's basketball player I've ever seen. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of cold, cold women that have played. Diana Tarazi is up there at the top of the list for me. But I don't know, something different about Clark. And we said this every time we watch her play. It's like, I hate to bring gender into this. Like, it's almost like she scores like a man. I, I've never seen somebody shoot like that as a woman. Like the range, like the, the comfortability. Like she has some weaknesses in her game, but they're very, they're very, very small. And you got to be able to, to get her on that. But with that being said, it's it's Reese with the double doubles, man. Like you think about this is the most in history. Think about all the women that have played this game that could have done this that have not. Like throw out these names: Lisa Leslie, Candace Parker, Rebecca Lobo, Brittany Griner, Tamika Ketchens, Sylvia Fowles. Shout out to Miami Edison, hometown kid. Tina Charles. Like they all averaged almost ten rebounds a game in the WNBA. You're trying to tell me none of them got close to breaking this record that is that just boggles my mind man so i gotta go with reese's double doubles as being more impressive i mean why do we gotta you know i was once told by a special person in my life that comparison is the thief of joy why do we gotta compare these this is a something, JP question whoever told you that proceeded to say something Highly disrespectful after that. They were no, to no, not, not at all. Not at, like, why do we got to compare these? Why do we got to pick one or the other of these historic runs, these, this historic feat? I mean, for real, why do we got to do that? Why can't we just say, why can't we just enjoy it for who it is, for what it is? So what's your answer? Are you going to make me answer? Hell yeah, because you, cause you know we're going to agree on this because we already talked about this. You know, in looking at everything, this is what I'll say. And <laughs> this, you always do this long, drawn-out thing to be like, yeah, I agree with you. Come on, man. Just move along. We got bad topics to talk about. Yesterday and Monday, oh, I God. agreed with you. And it's a it's a great feat. But when you go back and really look at it, JT, it took her to the title game to get number 34, right? Because she has 34 double-doubles. In 36 games. So it did take her to the title game. She broke the record of 33, which was held by Oklahoma legend Courtney Paris, who I think did it in less than 36. So while that sounds all great, I started to lean toward Caitlin Clark, and I'll tell you why. 191 total points in the tournament. That's the most in the tournament's history, women's or men's. So you're looking at six games for either women's or men's. And, and there's been great players on, on, you know, in both tournaments, but she has the most points ever. She has consecutive 40-point back-to-back games. She broke and set a record in the title game for most threes, eight. And then on top of that is the first and only woman to 
have a 40-point double, uh, 40 point triple double game. 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. She did that earlier in the tournament. Like JT, when you put it that way, I know it's such a short sample size. I didn't I didn't say Angels, it wasn't I didn't say it wasn't close now because I told it you is know close. how much I like Caitlin Clark. It is close. It's close, but I'm just I'm just That's why surprised how many greats that could have done this like, have not gotten close to what Reese has done. I agree. And we talked about that. Like, are you kidding? Like, she none of the greats did this. But, you know, I'm sure they at one point had a pretty good hold on a lot of double-double games. And then, like I said, the Oklahoma legend passed them. And now Angel passes her. But, man, what Caitlin Clark did, I really don't know if we'll ever see again. Like, that's well, incredible. We've never seen it. 191 points. We, we've well, never mean, seen it. I mean, we're going to keep giving props to these young ladies on this absolutely. show. I mean, Caitlin yeah, Clark had more points in the tournament than, <laughs> than Iowa's football team had all last year. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, no, she really did. <laughs> like, I read that somewhere. So, I mean, honestly, I hate that this is being overshadowed by this bullshit because, I mean, I, People need to sit back and realize what you yeah. just witnessed. Like it was a historic performance by historic. both of them. I mean, Angel Reese ended up with 15, 10 boards and five assists in the title game and their champs. Yeah, they scored like, 105 points. You literally got to watch all-time greatness in women's college basketball in one year. game. And we're, and, and we're talking game. about this. Like, yeah. I don't get it, man. But yeah, it's close. I'm going with my girl Reese. You going with Clark. I don't think there's really a wrong answer on this one. All right. So we ready to talk some NBA. I yeah, know, I know how much basketball. you hate this question, so that's why you have me. This is a JT it, type of question. Nah, nah. it's true because you know what? You don't listen to me, and you always like he don't know what it's about. And I try to teach you, and I try to put nah, you on game. You, you're still wrong with this. Just ask the question. Like a G, you don't want to listen to me. Nah, just ask the question. So the Mavericks currently sit at 11th place in the West and are a half game out of the playing tournament. So if the Mavs miss the playoffs, whose legacy takes a bigger hit? Is it Luca or is it Kyrie? Oh, this answer is easy. It's not even close. It's Kyrie Irving. Bro, a couple factors. One is the age. Luca's 24, right? Kyrie Irving is 31. He's got to face it. He's starting to get, with all the injury history too, he's on the back end. He's starting to hit that, that peak of the oh, back so, end. So you, you're calling this the back career. end of the Kyrie career? You no, think no, no, he's I there? I said the peak of the back end. So he's, he's what, is, what does that mean? Like, because like, he's like, hit the peak. Like, 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 put this on a diagram. What is the okay. back? You're making up all these, me, all these adjectives and it don't mean shit. The back end of the peak. Let me show you. He okay. hit the peak right here. Can you see? And now, like he, like he, he's at the cliff. He, he didn't yeah, exactly start to exactly. go down yet. Now it's going to be a slow trickle down the hill, right? So he's on the back end. This man was anything to just, just. He's starting to start the back end of his career. So yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's going to be one of his lasting legacies. Because the other thing is, this isn't the first time. So it, it cements or re-cements who he's been and what he's been to teams and his legacy. Boston Celtics, right? We all know what happened there. And then what happened in Brooklyn? We know what happened there. And now if he doesn't do it here, in fact, he's made them worse. Because they were fine. That's the that's the other thing, JT. You're going to talk about Doncic, blah blah blah. But Dallas was fine, bro. You, you have no idea Kyrie. what I'm going to say. Okay, well, let me finish. Dallas was fine before Kyrie got there, and now they're not. Now they're out of the playoffs. I mean, they were a lock in for the playoffs. Now they're out. And the other thing is Luca being 24, JT in 14 years when he's still playing, 
We're going to, we're not going to remember this. We have short-term memory. He, or we are not going to remember what he's doing now with Kyrie because he's going to have 14 more years to change the narrative, to change his legacy. So his legacy is not going to take a big hit because of this. It's going to depend on what he does after this throughout the rest of his career. This could be part of his legacy if he never wins. But if he wins a title, people won't remember this. And I know I'll, I'll let you go because I'm sure I'll have some sort of rebuttal because you'll be. I bet you will because you, you already you act like this is eight mile and you're already trying to pop a document, man. Like, relax. Damn. That's how, that's how I know you know you're wrong. It's Luca. Luca's oh legacy God, is going to take go. the biggest hit. The twenty-four-year-old. This why? is this is why? the big hit to his legacy. Why? Because we already expect teams to implode when Kyrie gets to town. So this ain't shocking. But I tell you one thing: is Luca is supposed to be a generational talent, and generational talents overcome things like this, whether it's lack of talent or dysfunction. <laughs> Because because if LeBron if LeBron, could if LeBron was in this situation, he would be carrying this team to the playoffs. But you know what? James Harden, oh if he was in this situation, would fail. And oh this is why goodness. I keep saying this. Luka oh Doncic is James Harden 2.0. It's going to it's you things just like wanted this to put this on there to say and that. People are going to have to realize that. And I want Luka to get that same smoke that James Harden got. James Harden was supposed to carry his teams. He had all this great offense. And for some reason or another, he couldn't get it done with the teammates. He couldn't get it done in the playoffs. It just never seemed to happen and win the title. And Luka is trending in the wrong direction. He's going to get out of there. And that's exactly why I said they should have traded for Kyrie. Because if this goes left, it could ruin him staying in Dallas. But, yeah, it's Luka. Because Kyrie, his legacy's already written. We know who he is. Can't get no worse. You're wrong simply because you're wrong. <laughs> I saw that. The winner in all this math stuff is Jalen Brunson. Yeah, because he knew to, to get the hell out of town because, one, he knew what was up with Jason Kidd, and he knew playing next to Luka has it's, its limitations. But, but you know but you know why it's Kyrie and this doesn't hit Luka as much? Luka will get a pass because well, you they just love said it. it. They love no, 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 because you just said it. It's Kyrie. Even KD's getting a pass because it's Kyrie. It's K or it's Kyrie. KD is even getting a pass because it's Kyrie. Sorry, man. This is this not only is a bigger hit to Kyrie's legacy, it re-cements it. Sorry. All right. Go on to the next one. I want oh, okay. That so I, I, I we'll probably topic. disagree about this one. I won that topic. Interesting story. So Joe Burrow is and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think only to you because it affects another player you like, but go ahead. Said anything about that? See, I'll get there. I'll already bring it slip. Up. You already, I'll you're bring already, it up. You already manifest the answer. But I'll bring it up. Cincinnati Bank and quarterback Joe Burrow, they have agreed to a vow of silence, whatever the fuck that means, as the two sides work together oh, on a long-term contract. I, I know, I know, my parents are watching. They know how I talk, so I'm not apologizing. But yeah, Burrow, Bengals watching. Sorry, kids. I'll I'll bleep that out. Don't swear. The vow silence on the contract work. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it is the right way to go about it. Um, but the further this goes in terms of the negotiations and the, the long-term contract talk, without an actual contract, stuff gets leaked. 
JT. Like stuff is going to come out. I mean, look at the Lamar situation. It seemed to be really kind of tight sealed in terms of all the negotiations and the what off what was offered, what was asked for. And little by little now we start hearing these numbers and that, you know, he wants the top Deshaun and what the organization offered. And it was like low ball. So little by little, this stuff will come out if Cincy and Joe Burrow do not get a long-term contract signed. Now, I do think it's the right way to go. That way no one's feelings are hurt. But this is the other thing. It's the Bengals. They will mess it up. They will bungle it somehow, whether information gets leaked or they are cheap on Joe Burrow. But for somehow, some way, I see them messing this up, whether they break that code or they offer too little or whatever have you, they'll mess it up. They'll bungle it, like we say in Pittsburgh. I agree with everything you just said. But, but there's always a but. Always. But there is something about this that really bothers me. And part of it, you're right. It is It is about Lamar Jackson. And I think this is a bad look for Joe Burrow because indirectly, you're signaling that you're aiding in collusion against Lamar. And what I mean by that is the only the one thing that we know for sure is you just alluded to it. We know teams are going to try to lowball you as a player. They're going to try to get the best offer. And that's always going to be the case. But if we already know that, why is Burrow agreeing to keep it quiet? Do you think if you talk about your contract and that you want one that the Bengals just aren't going to give you one? They're going to pay you. And if they don't pay you, somebody will give up those two first round picks to get you. So I don't understand what's in it for him to keep quiet about it. Because every other quarterback we hear about contract negotiations, we heard about it with Kyler. We heard about it with Dak. Currently, we're hearing about it with Lamar. The only reason that I think that a team would do something like this and they would go to their player is they don't want a new deal out there before Lamar gets his. Oh, deal. my goodness. I'm telling you. I knew it was going to come back to the Lamar conspiracy. The I knew it. That is the only it. reason. I that is the only reason why I can no think of that they would agree reason. to a vow of silence. Because There's no Lamar, other conceivable reason. No one's none, ever done this in none, the history. No, because, because keep people vow of silence. I can I could see if it was somebody else. Oh because we talk about this all the time. I'm always shocked. I just want Lamar to go to the Dolphins. Just go to the Dolphins already to make JT happy. Give him 300 million guarantees. I'll, I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you. I'll give you a question. When have you ever heard of this? Like but a team happens. publicly coming out and saying. We have, we, have, we have agreed to a vow of science, silence with the team and the player. It happens contract. all the time. But they, they're they seeing what happens with it getting messy. Neither side wants it to become – you know why they has, do a vow of silence? Because what has happened now between Lamar and, and Baltimore is really – it's you can't repair it. You really can't. That's the problem, JT. That's why they don't want it to go up. You can't repair it. And since he definitely doesn't want to have – an un, you know, an un relationship with Burrow. Since he wants to keep it quiet, because guess what? Him, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert's contracts are going to come up. And once those numbers start swirling around, that is more leverage matter, for Lamar JT, Jackson. At the end and of the day, they don't want that to happen. But it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we're going to know what the final number is. You're acting like you're, you're acting like this is like <laughs> private information. I for yes, yes. And that tells you how many times but, you've been you, terribly wrong. You know how right I am here. Then, if Mike Regina is 
Listen, if, if Regina's agreeing with me, you know I'm absolutely right. So can we Sounds go on like to the next message. one? Can I go to the next one? Yeah, go to the next one. All right. So on Tuesday, while on the Tom E. Curran's Patriots Talk podcast, I know you listen to that all the time, Mike Florio threw out an interesting hypothetical. Mac Jones to the 49ers in return for Trey Lance. Now, JT, as you've properly told me, you know, rumors about trading Mac Jones and Trey Lance. This isn't the first time you've heard that. So with these trade rumors, is it more about bad talent evaluation by these teams or a byproduct of the rookie contracts? Meaning being they don't have the the Sam Bradford and Jamarcus Russell guaranteed money. So they're able to trade and maybe get more pieces in return than they normally would with a big contract giving up. Yeah, yeah. I would say the rookie contracts are definitely more team-friendly now, so it makes it easier to move on. And this was close because I can see it being either way. I'm going to go with the bad talent evaluation. And I think what's happened is teams have gotten caught up in, you know, you see guys like Mahomes, you see Burrow, you see Herbert, you see Lamar. And, got, and people think, OK, if like if I just get a first round quarterback, like the odds say, like, you know, he, he's going to come out firing. This is the norm. And it's really not. We're just witnessing greatness. You know, think about all the quarterbacks that get drafted that don't work out. And look at these guys. Like, be honest, Matt Jones. I know you liked him in that draft, but nobody thought he was really a first round quarterback, especially coming from Alabama. Same thing with Trey Lance. We loved him. But let's be real. Like nobody thought he should be number three overall. Are we really shocked that these guys haven't become transcendent talents in the league? No. So I think what teams are realizing is, all right, we're taking a chance on these guys because we think we're shooting for the moon. It doesn't work out. We're trying to win now. Let's get rid of them. So I think it's just bad talent evaluation. I think it's bad. Well, I think in this instance, I think Trey Lance still has a chance. So I'm not going to dog him. But I think in general, right, I think in general – that with these sort of situations, especially with the quarterbacks being drafted so high, I think it is bad talent evaluation. Because if you look at the Josh Rosen situation, right, in Arizona, he was a first-round pick, top 15, top 12, whatever it was. Top 10, was he? Top 10? Yeah, top 10. And then you saw what happened the next year. They go Kyler Murray. If Josh Rosen was an absolute stud and he had all the tools – and the evaluation was, hey, he's a can't-miss guy even after one year being in our organization, Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't have come in and insisted on going Kyler Murray, right? Like, And then on top of that, you know, the Dolphins, would they end up trading for Rosen, like a fifth-round pick or something? Yeah, something ridiculous. So that goes to show you even what Arizona wasn't even willing to hold out for a first- or second-round pick for him. Like they so, knew, they knew, they knew it was a sunk cost, and ex- you can, exactly you can add other names and, to that list, like Jordan yeah. Love. Jordan yeah. Love is well, another guy. I wouldn't go that far yet. But, I, um, but I'm just saying, like, like we he hasn't returned value. Now it's not his fault, but like we don't well, know. He, he hasn't had a chance. So, but I mean, you go go look at all the list, even a Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Like, look at what look at what the going rate for getting a Baker Mayfield. Either you're going to get him off the waiver wire or you're going to trade for like a fourth round pick. The dude was number one overall, just like four years ago. You can add our guy, our guy there too, you know, until a six game stretch last year, Justin Fields, like people were like after his rookie year, like, Hey, we might have to go get another quarterback. Zach Wilson is another one. Like they're already ready to move on from him. And, And Sam Darnold. But the thing is, I will say is 
they come in, as you always say, bad situation, man. You got to come into a good situation. A lot of those guys weren't Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson. But so not as it only the bad talent evaluation, but it's also it's it's a hard science. It's not an exact science in drafting guys. So it's bound to happen. But in these situations, especially with the quarterbacks, yeah, it's bad talent evaluation, but it's so hard, man. I mean, of five quarterbacks, you're lucky if two end up being pro bowlers in a draft. And when all five are taken in the first 12, 13 picks, someone's bound to be wrong. It's just the way it is. All right, so heading to everyone's new favorite segment. I know JT loves this. All right, we got forget about it or forgazy the way it works. We'll read a statement. If you agree with it, it's forget about it. All right, just like Donnie Brasco. But if you don't agree with it, you think it's wrong, you think it's fake, it's not hot news, it's fugazi. All right. Let me so, ask you a question before we start these before we start uh, these topics. How happy are you that this has become a staple of this show? Oh man, this I is great. Like you, people are asking you, for you it. You drudge through everything else just to get to this, and like your whole face <laughs> lights up. You can give all these references to your favorite movies. I'm like, damn, you're like a child, man. When it comes to this segment, listen, it's everyone's favorite. They ask, "Are you doing the forget about it for Gazy this show?" I'm like, hey, it's on every show as long as I can convince JT. Listen. I think we got to get like a pizza sponsor or something for for our show. Yeah, they can you. send us pizza every episode. We can that eat, is all spot, on you. Endorse that's the, the pizza you. as we done. do this segment. What's the first right. question? I, I got to help you with some of these phrases too, because you got like double negatives in there sometimes, and it throws off. You say forget about it for gazy, but we'll try our best here. All right, first one: the NFL is colluding. Are we talking about this again? We answered this long term last. Did we? Jeez, yes. Oh, okay. The NFL is colluding against Lamar. Forget about it. Yeah, All right, forget about it. Can we? I do. I do want to ask you a question. If I'm a coach on one of these teams that needs a quarterback, my owner better have a contract stipulation that because I'm not going after an MVP quarterback and you wanted me to take a lesser quarterback, then my job is safe until we turn this around. <laughs> there's no way I'm agreeing for you to not sign this man just to prove a point, but my job is on the line. Like I, I don't get that. <laughs> that yeah, makes no sense. That's a good point. But, yeah, it's forget about it. I mean, there, there's not going to be evidence of it like we talked about, but there's that kind of wink-wink, like, unwritten word, unwritten rule that hey, – That wink-wink, vow of silence? Yeah. No, I'm not using <laughs> yes. that term. Nope, nope. You're not going to get me there. Not today. All right. Next one. The NBA not testing for marijuana is the fear of sports. Forget about it or forget you. Yeah, that's true. Forget about it. Because, JT, NBA, they're not the first league. MLB and NHL already have this in place. No testing for marijuana. So this is definitely going to be the future of sports testing where it doesn't test for marijuana. So forget about it. I agree with you. I'm half and half for I'm forget about it for exactly everything that you said, because that was my point. I'm forgazy because the NBA is just way more open minded than a lot of other sports. Like, do you really see the NFL adopting to this? But in general, it's the future of sports. I didn't say I, NFL. I, I want to say yes, but someday the NFL, it will be. You know, NFL why? is a big league. NFL you, is a big league. You know why it will be one day? Because someone will sue them for all the painkillers that they were forced to take. And they'll find an alternative, which is probably marijuana. 
All right. UConn basketball is a blue blood program. <laughs> we got to have this conversation again. Oh, this, this hurts. I, like I don't we, even we, want to talk about it. Pass? We, ar- we, argue, we argued about this for like 30 minutes while we're stuck in traffic trying to get out of NRG Stadium. <laughs> and, the, and the shit that came out of your mouth was just – I know you were upset we lost in UConn won, but you were just – you were having a fit, man. I was in the moment. Exactly. <laughs> Forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. One, because they've won more national championships than any other school in the past 20 years. They're they're five. And I think the next closest is four. That's more than Michigan, more than Kentucky, more than Duke, more than UNC, more than UCLA. And then you throw in the run. I think people are forgetting about this. Their women's team, probably the past two decades with Gino Ariema. For sure. The most dominant run I've ever seen. Like you forget, like they were like not losing games. And blowing everybody out, pumping out star after star after star. Like half of your legends that you love in women's basketball, <laughs> they played at UConn. Like if you put UConn women's basketball and UConn's men's basketball together, like they're probably a top five program in all sports the past 20 years. Like, yes, this is a blue blood program just off of basketball alone. Well, we're talking UConn basketball. We're not talking about football or another. Oh, I, I took it as like a this blue blood in general. But yeah, like basketball wise, nah, they definitely nah. are. You got you got to have more than basketball. Now nah, you got to have more than basketball. Listen, UConn basketball though, yeah, it is a blue blood program. It's not your historic traditional blue blood program. Let's let's clearly. It's not blue blood that. in name value, but it's well, blue blood in production. Yeah, but I'm just saying historically, if yeah, in the get, past 25 years, it has not. Because think about this. A lot of you could argue Miami's a blue blood football program because we got five titles in the past 40 years, but we're not seen that way because we're not historically like that. We're not the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, Duke, UNC, UCLA, Indiana, Kansas. Those are the true blue bloods because they're the historic blue bloods. This is the new age, the way I like to say the new age blue blood, maybe along with like a Villanova, where they're a blue blood program. When you think of that school and you think of college hoops, those teams should be easily coming out of your mouth in the top six, top seven, top eight programs. So, yes, they are a new blue blood program, but they're not the historical, typical blue blood basketball program. So you're admitting all that yelling that you were doing in the car was for Duck? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> just just for you to come on this show and Next say one. you got the blue blood program. Next statement. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is why you do all of it in Come on. It says what I was telling you in the car. Oh, that's, why, that's why I can't hang with you, man. All right. Oh, this one's interesting. Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter not meeting with teams outside of the top 10 is a major red flag. Forget about it or forgazy. Forget about it. And, and, and this is why I think that's a hot take. Because he already has one major red flag. And we know about it with the unfortunate incident that occurred with his teammate and other Georgia football staff members. Um, and he may may have not been involved directly, indirectly, however, however, the investigation will go. Um, so coupled with now this is like, OK, why are you not willing to meet outside the top 10? Because if you fall now, I'd be worried that, hmm, is he going to play hard for us? Does he want to come to my team? Do I know enough about him that I'm still willing to take him at 12, 13, 14, 15? Because guess what? He's not meeting with me. 
I don't know the character of the guy because the only thing I'm seeing is the stuff in the media or talking to Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart's not going to talk bad on him. Yeah, Kirby right? Smart's not going to be he like, helped, hey, this guy's a POS. He helped Kirby Smart. So it's tough. I mean, you hate doing this because he's such a young guy, but when you're talking about millions of dollars in, in the NFL and making that big of an investment in, in any employee, right? let alone an employee with that history, not history, but that incident hanging over him, I, I would want to meet with him. So that is a red flag in the sense of I don't get a chance to meet the guy. I don't know what I'm getting into with drafting him because he may not fit the culture of the team. Yeah, forget about it. 100%. It's giving me Albert Hainsworth vibes. And for Ooh. those of you who don't know, Albert Hainsworth. Look it up. Google it. Albert Hainsworth. Took the Washington football team for everything they were worth, <laughs> only to not play it play it down <laughs> with any effort. But yeah, I think this is very similar. Jalen Carter has showed up out of shape at every turn. Showed up out of shape at the combine. Showed up out of shape at his pro day. Like, how do you show up out of shape at your pro day? It's literally for you. You get to basically set everything up. Didn't do any drills. Hasn't done anything. And. You want me to just waste top 10 money on you in good with that absolute red. And he knows that he falls out of 10. He's just going to see him as a steal and they're going to, and they're going to take him. And that's the one good thing about having Drew Rosenhaus in your corner as his agent is that he knows these things. But if I'm in the top 10, I'm nervous. Like you got to earn the right for me to make you a top 10 pick, just like everybody else in this draft. All right, so I want to go back to two comments real quick. Jason Curtis, thanks for, for listening and watching. As always, Duke has the same length of history in basketball as men's as Miami does in football. That is true, but for some reason, Duke basketball is considered a blue blood. You know why I think? Because they play in the Carolinas in their ACC. It's in a their ACC basketball academic institution. Everybody thinks Miami is. A and then our guy Mike Regina again speaking on. Jalen Carter, it's a red flag. It's not hard to get on all expenses paid flight insurance. Yo, man, he's cracking more jokes than you tonight, JT. Let's go. I know, I know. I'm still, I'm still tired from this trip, man. I, I'm oh, not. I'm not we're we're going to hear this for the right next now. three months. All right, next, next one. Jill Biden wanting to invite both LSU and Iowa to the White House is disrespectful to LSU. 100% forget about it. Caitlin Clark said it best. Runner-ups do not go to the White House. LSU deserves this moment. Think about it this way. Would LSU be getting the invite if they lost? There's your answer. Absolutely not. JT, sometimes you're so gullible. It's funny sometimes. This is Fugazi. You know why? Because her statement and invite was Fugazi. It was not sincere. She was being nice and complimentary. Like, again, you want to be comparison is the thief of joy you want to be the thief of joy here she's complimenting what a great game it was she was sad to see that one of the teams had to lose and she just threw it out there it wasn't an actual invite she was not sincere about it like oh this is really gonna happen no so it so, so you say so you're saying jill biden did the varnell hill invite where it's like if you show up like if i invite you don't show up it's fake come on man she i think she i think in the moment what she was like is this is getting so much bad press. Why don't we just invite everybody and it'll be good? And no, nah, you can't do that. Disrespectful is, I said I wouldn't curse anymore, but you know what I'm saying. 
All right, last one. Kirk Cousins will win the Super Bowl if San Francisco trades for him. So uh, trade rumors are that the 49ers are trying to find a way to acquire Cousins and maybe ship off Trey Lance to the Vikings. So forget about it or forget it. What's the statement again? Kirk Cousins will win a Super Bowl if the 49ers trade for him. Yeah, forget about it. Just forget about it. I mean, they have all the pieces. And Kirk Cousins is that guy that will make just enough good throws that they'll win, right? Like, he'll make just enough throws. They have all the other pieces. They just need a guy that doesn't mess it up and can make a few throws here and there, just like Brock Brock Purdy was doing. But Kirk Cousins is more experienced. Plain and simple. Yeah. Forget about it. Forget about it 100%. We're dominant with Brock. And Cousins would be, to be honest, he'd be probably the best quarterback they've had in 20 years. Shanahan has wanted Cousins since he was available in Washington. You said it. He's got the experience. He's proven in this league. And the 49ers system has proven you literally put any back anybody back there that's healthy and competent, they're going to do damage. All right. So before we go, I'm, oh, I'm on, bringing bro. this segment I, back. Surprise, JT. This is unscripted. Why? Why? Got, why? Because I've had to deal with you. Now. I've had to deal with you for four days nonstop. Like, like why do we have to spend more time together? I missed missed you already. So surprise JT, the way it works. He doesn't know what I'm going to ask, what I'm going to bring up. I read this random thing. And so I'm going to ask him, you can play at home, send a comment. So surprise JT. So it was said that Danny Hurley has. Oh, we're talking about Danny Hurley. Lucky has lucky. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. We're we're, we're, we're done. We're done. done. Hold on. Hold on. No, because if you're going to if you're going to ask a question about Danny Hurley, it's not about Danny Hurley. Just on, the listen. fact that you're even bringing you're him up. You're ruining it. You hate you're ruining him. it. You're ruining it. It's over. You can't. Nah, nah, it's over. Ask the question. I want to know. Danny Hurley, this will be interesting. So he wore lucky draws throughout the NCAA tournament, supposedly like of red dragons. All right. So uh, he wore this? those throughout, and they were lucky. I know it was TMI, but they, they were saying it all How over you the place. I don't want to know. So JT. Is there something lucky that you've had, whether it was sports related, whether you had like in school, is there something lucky that you have that you feel is like lucky, all like all power, an object, something? I'm just curious because people are talking about it now. And I figured, hey, perfect for surprise, JT. Send a comment if you have something lucky. Believe it or not, no. Oh. Even even while playing sports, like when you oh. were like all state linebacker uh, in Florida, <laughs> no, man, I, I never I never had any like good luck charms or nothing like that, man. No, right. my my wife is my good luck charm. I know I know if she's yeah. dropping me off, if she's dropping there me we, off to LA Fitness, I'm gonna drop. There we go. And then you're dro- you're going 15, 10, and five stat. Exactly. Line. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have me a Reese game. Fifteen points, there, ten boards, six blocks, perfect from the free throw line. There you go. There you go. Good answer. Good answer, by the way. By the way, are you wearing shoulder pads? Man, this guy works out. This This guy works out. Look at the traps. Bro, bro, you want to talk about over-exaggeration? You had many over-exaggerations on this trip. The shoulder pads thing was by far the most over-exaggerated thing. It was not that bad. My whole life is over-exaggerated, whatever that means. Glad you're finally admitting that. So, JT, great episode. Thanks for all the fans and listeners out there. Thanks for commenting. And remember, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, 
if you don't like what we do, leave us a five star review. And also remember to please follow us on social media. Our handle JT and the Don. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Facebook. So, JT, great basketball season. Great show. Congrats to the Canes. First Final Four ever. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.